Welcome to Craft Advice, a podcast to help investors tackle the more complex area of their personal and business finances. Join Jack and Sean as we discuss everything from investing to retirement and everything in between. We're becoming better human beings, Sean. <laughs> couple of healthy gents. Let's call it the so- couple of health. Couple of healthy gentlemen. We're gonna have to call this the sober show. I'm sitting here with my fucking creaked <laughs> my sideways <laughs> neck and a heating pad, drinking a coffee. Oh, that's great. Yeah, got a little. Uh- Little gym session in this morning. Got a little uh, smoothie. Yeah. Welcome mm, back, everyone, delicious. to Craft Advice. We're not drinking today because Sean worked out and I pulled my neck. <laughs> being <laughs> Because I am sad. I am a sad <laughs> old man. Oh, yes. no dehydration for me. I'm going to wear this heating pad like a little child. I'm going <laughs> to complain. I'm going to take some Advil and, you know, stre- stretch the neck a little bit. Hot, cold, hot, cold. I know. I know this is life. That's great. Life is depressing when you see how quickly dad bond starts to turn on. You gotta, mm. you gotta fight fire with fire, and that doesn't mean we're oh, yeah. here. You gotta get, get those workouts in. So, mm-hmm. oh man, mm. what's good? What are you up to? Let's so, um, you know, I, uh, I know we were talking about it earlier, but lots been going on this week. Lots been going on this week. So, uh, Mother Russia. Mother Russia, we got that going on. Um, more uh, unfortunate inflation news. Did have some good stuff coming out of housing uh, earlier today, uh, but yeah, the the general consensus is it's going to continue to pick up for the time being, um, as far as the uh, inflation numbers. So now you've got some of these face guys with the Fed, um, you know, the ones that they send out on the on the talk shows and the CNBCs of the world, you know, Bullard, for example, he's out there like, you know, we might have to do a full percent. We really have to get in front of this thing. And I feel like they do that obviously to, to spark a little bit of a, they, they want to set the bar so high that when they come in under it, you know, obviously they look like heroes. Yeah. Kind of over, over promise uh, or over under promise over deliver. Because uh, there's no way in hell they're going to move at a full percent in any one meeting. I don't care what they say; it's that will not happen. Well, interest rates and like the what the Fed's doing for like 95 percent of people is irrelevant. Like your yeah. 401k at work has nothing to do with Russia Ukraine, <laughs> has nothing to do with the Federal Reserve. Just like just relax, put more money in it, and come back and visit yeah. this in in 20 years. But the flip side of this, I think one of the most important things that people need to figure out is. All of 2019, 20, and 21 valuation, so the price you pay for a stock or an investment, same thing in the crypto space, like people Mm -hmm. would just buy it assuming it would just go up. And now Mm -hmm. I'm looking today at Roku, who is at a peak, it was almost $500 a share, Mm $490. It's now sitting at a buck oh five. Freedom costs a buck oh five. (laughs) <laughs> Anyone that names that movie wins. Um, but what's super relevant right now is all of these tech stocks were running ahead. If you know, if they make Roku makes a little over a billion and a half dollars a year is what they brought in mm-hmm. this past year. The stock was almost valued like it was a fifty billion dollar company. So you're having this company trade at almost forty five times sales. 
I mean, it's insane how how far out these companies are going. Fast forward yep. to today, it's less than five. So yep. you know, it's not like the company is losing value. The company's just getting reined in by the market to a normal level, but everything is getting butchered. If you're not growing as fast as you are, you were kneecaps cut out. I guess they're taking you legs off at the hips. Yeah. <laughs> bringing you back to a torso. I mean, I think, uh, Kathy Wood touches on it pretty well though. She, she was uh, interviewed yesterday and, and she was essentially saying how the market is rev- like kind of looking at these companies in more of a legacy lens that, you know, hey, like, like you said, if these earnings don't beat what was going on at peak COVID, right? And you've got all these innovative technology companies, like let's say Zoom, for example, right? When we had peak work from home and everybody was on Zoom and everybody was using it, it was because they had to. Um, well, obviously, if we return to more of a normal environment, fewer people are going to use it. They're still seeing like very, very healthy, very strong subscription growth very strong, very healthy revenue growth, but the pace at which it's growing is slower than it was during peak COVID. So everybody's like, ah, we got to sell this company. When the reality is, is we're not gonna go back to the old ways. And that was her point is like, people who are shorting innovation or selling innovation are are being terribly short-sighted because when it's all said and done, um, these companies are changing the way that we do business. They're making it less expensive, more efficient, more convenient. And when you start doing anything and it's less expensive, more efficient, more convenient, you don't go back to doing it the old way. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so what's kind of nuts is so I'm just looking at just the arc fund. So arc innovation is Kathy Wood's primary. Yeah. yeah. That thing got up at a high of almost 30 billion in AUM. It's still got, Mm. 12 and a half billion. I mean, she's still got plenty. She's well ahead of where she started, which I think she had a billion in assets going into COVID. And so mm-hmm. she's still up 1200%. She's doing fine. Just mm-hmm. the market got ahead of the innovation. Rates are slowing this down a little bit. The rise in interest rates is starting to show this going up. I do think what's crazy though is Right now, in some of the research we do internally for where we're going to invest money, right now, all the momentum, all the flows, all the inflows, it's all going into the energy sector. It's all going into energy stocks. It's going into commodity companies. Yep. Oil skyrocketing. It's a very, very weird market. But let me ask you a question. Yeah. Where's your stance on, I mean, how much of this do you think is supply chain driven? Where as soon as things open back up, the rest of the country looks more like Florida. Are we going to see this rebound and snap really hard the other direction? Or are we going to plateau at these high levels? I mean, that's a good question. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that could impact whether that actually does happen. Um, I mean, how bad does inflation get before supply chain, you know, clogs start to unwind, um, right? Because if we start seeing 9%, 10% inflation, the Fed has to sit there and, and, you know, and let's say the Fed's over there trying to stem the tide because they obviously waited way too long. So now they're trying to get ahead of it. And now they're over course correcting. So now you've got the cost of goods and services going up way more than, than people can really stomach. 
And then you've also got rates going up more than businesses and individuals can stomach. Um, I mean, you do run the risk of a recession. Um, and then obviously there's the geopolitical stuff out there. I mean, Russia, which, you know, we, you and I have touched on it. We think that's more of a, it's a, it's a global heads posturing thing. It's very, very unlikely it'll actually happen. Um, you know, we'll probably look back at this like we've looked back at many different geopolitical skirmishes over the last, you know, 15, 20 years and say that, you know, this is more of a blip in the radar. It caused some disruption over three, four months, and then it went away because cooler heads prevail. And then eventually everybody realizes, you know, hey, we will all lose a lot more money and it will be bad for everybody if this actually happens the way that they're talking about it potentially happening. I mean, it could spike oil to 120 plus dollars a barrel. I mean, we sit here with four or $5 a gallon gas. Um, we're looking at a recession at that point. So those are things that are unlikely to happen. But what I would say is that uh, if we get to the point, say in the next nine to 12 months where supply chains do smooth out, we do see the rate of inflation slow. I think the Fed will start to ease a little bit and potentially even, you know, depending on what rates are at that point, maybe even soften rates up a little bit. We'll see, uh, especially heading into, again, an election season. So I think that that plays a big factor into it. But, um, yeah, I mean, once once these once these go away, I think a lot of the inflation numbers will will slow. But at the same time, we have increased the amount of dollars in circulation by 40 percent over an 18 month period. So that's going to take years to unwind. I think consumers are going to spend the shit out of that pile. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, they will. I mean, they can't burn it. So yeah, yeah. I, I heard that's one of the most bullish things for crypto is people are buying the dumbest crap with all their crypto, so they're kind of self deflating. <laughs> the uh, yeah, you know, with crypto kitties, and you know, I got mm-hmm. a I got a message from a client that I should look at buying real estate in some new crypto game that's built on Ethereum, and mm-hmm. people are just literally spending all of it. So maybe that's why it's a considered an inflation hedge is because people are buying too much stupid stuff. I just wonder if that happens in the real world. Are we going to start to see a lot of people use kind of some of these dollars, you know, is all this bottled up travel, bottled up spending. It was tied all in housing. Do people go consume it now and normalize what we have? Yeah. I mean, I I think you could see housing slow a little bit and um, not slow to the point where it causes any major disruption. But I mean, I I think you could see the housing market slow for sure. And uh, when that, like like you're saying, people take that excess money that they were spending in housing and now they're going to start traveling more because restrictions are starting to really open up. I mean, the UK is getting opened up. Uh, other areas in Europe are opening up. Um, other areas across the US. I mean, you look at a lot of these more restrictive states that were very uh, ardent, you know, proponents for mask mandates and this and that. Um, it looks like they're starting to soften their uh their stance on some of that i mean we've we've had massive um drawdown in the in the positive cases i don't know if you saw that but it was i believe it's down i don't even want to i don't want to misquote this number so this may not be right but it's something like 80 percent um over last month i mean it's a it's a really really big number yeah um but yeah i think the biggest thing right now at least in the short term is because everybody's priced, for the most part, everybody's priced rate hikes in. Right now, the big uncertainty is Russia. Yeah. Question is, so I love when you see the images, like the infographics of like a map of Ukraine and like every possible 
corner of it has Russian tanks on it. I guess the question would be, do you think this is a flex or, you know, I think it's a flex WW three coming down the pipe. No, I don't think it's WW three. I think, I mean, obviously I, th I think it's the reality is, is we're not going to go to war directly with a nuclear power. Um, it's just, that's just absurd. Um, but I would say it seems as if the Russians are playing three dimensional chess and Biden's over there playing tic-tac-toe on the back of a Hardy's napkin. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Hardy's. I mean, we're we're just sitting here like I, I don't know. It's just we took way too long. I mean, they've been amassing these troops for a while. He's been planning this for a while. He's been, I mean, since almost since he got in office, um, Putin started building up troops there. And uh, you know, we we didn't put pressure on Germany soon enough to do much. So you've got some weak support from the biggest European country. Uh, who also happens to be the biggest importer of Russian gas, right? I mean, I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of financial ties between all of them for this to make any kind of sense for it to go much further than it is. I think at the end of the day, we're going to blink and we're going to make NATO concessions and uh, and that's it. And we'll move on. I wonder how much of this is people that are like, because one of the big things, if you're investing in space right now, it's all these people that are basically trying to make call it Google Maps 2.0, where you have yeah. almost real-time access to anywhere in the world. You can just drop in and see kind of live what's going on, which by itself is creepy as hell, but mm -hmm. a lot of people will use this for, there's a lot of cool things people do with space. They'll track maybe farms, they'll track weather patterns. You can do a lot of that more accurately using space and satellites, but they're also using that for military applications. So they're using this to monitor countries. That's why they'll do this with, North Korea, they'll do this with Russia, obviously. And I'm wondering how mm -hmm. much of this is, you know, is it really going down on the front lines where this is happening? Or is this people are just looking at what's happening and they're just making judgments, passing it to the news and the news can't shut up. So they just blast everything else. The market in my mind has priced in almost everything on this. You saw the other day, I think it was about two days back. They said, hey, this is kind of resolving itself we're seeing negotiation mm -hmm. talks the market was up like 500 points at least the dow i kind of think snapback rally yeah. just kind of coiled up it is i it could be right and it's it's definitely looking like that um but i would say it's so it was that right i mean it was the soon as we had any kind of positive talks boom market ripped and then next you know right back down the administration comes back out and they're like no, 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 no. He hasn't, you know, moved his troops. We don't. That's not happening. Blah blah blah. And so we're like, well, the market's been, the market routes back on. So then everybody just sells everything, and it's yeah, that's pretty. Uh, it's very, it's very a tenuous situation right now, and it definitely depends on whatever happens next. But like you said, I and I agree with you 100 percent that it's it's coiling up because if it, it there's a, enough people hedging, enough people selling, but as soon as the you know the white flag is raised and things move on. Uh, I think it's going to rip at least for the next few weeks until we get more inflation numbers. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then that'll put another blanket on it. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so I didn't want to misquote this here, but yeah, daily COVID numbers, the average seven day peaked out last month around, it was over 800,000. There were some single day numbers that were much higher, but the average seven day run was a little over 800,000. And now we're looking at around 200,000. So about a 75% drop. Yep. 
from the peak. I mean, they're, they are, it's fallen off a cliff, which is great. So I got the last one I want to go to is all in your backyard, Sean, the crypto, mm. crypto king. Mm. So there was like a 30 year old couple that I guess was part of a heist in 2016. <laughs> yeah. They got about four and a half billion in crypto from an exchange hack. It mm-hmm. sounds like a Walmart gift card is how they got caught. I'm thinking they tried mm-hmm. to, they're basically trying to launder the Bitcoin out buying. Uh, it sounds like they were buying gift cards and trying to spend it in the real world in small pieces. Obviously mm-hmm. everyone knows what the address is for certain wallets. So you see the yep. wallet used at Walmart, you go subpoena Walmart's security cameras, you see these two idiots. So mm-hmm. they got caught. It sounds like law enforcement seized 3.6 in crypto. Mm-hmm. Uh, billion in crypto. Yeah, I was going to say, for, for everybody out there that's not aware of the situation, that's billion dollars. Yeah. It's the largest financial seizure in the history of the world. And this is two morons that were like on TikTok <laughs> doing like dances and stuff. This just shows you what's going on in this world. But well, the, the, the woman was doing, she's a, uh, she's, she had her own uh, rap, rap channel. See, there you go. <laughs> no, but these people are honestly, they are the smartest idiots you've ever seen. And I mean, this is obviously going to be made into many movies down the road, I'm sure, and books, et cetera. But um, if you look into the, the methods that they've been, you know, implementing to launder this, I mean, it's pretty darn impressive. Two people were able to, to do this. I mean, assuming there's only two people involved here, um, but assuming there's only two people involved, it was extraordinarily impressive. I mean, they created, it was very Ozark-esque. I mean, they had their own programs that were creating thousands of mini wallets. And then those thousands of mini wallets had other supporting wallets. And they were just basically trying to create a lot of micro transactions that fly under the radar. Um, But I mean, if you talk to anybody who is, you know, familiar with how blockchain and crypto works, I mean, it, it only, it was a money laundering thing before people followed it. Right. I mean, because nobody knew what Bitcoin was, nobody cared. So it was easy to launder money back then. But I mean, if you're trying to launder money this way, I mean, you're eventually going to get caught because like you said, everything is timestamped. I mean, it's in the blockchain. They can see the money went from here to here. Okay. Then it went from here to here. And I mean, it's eventually you're going to get caught when you've, especially when you take that much. I mean, at one point, um, the original heist, I want to say, was only 90 million or 95 million, whatever it was. Um, and then when it, you know, obviously the peak prices or recent prices, I don't even, not even going up peak prices, but recent prices, their hull was valued at four and a half or 4.6 billion, um, of which they were able to successfully move some of it, uh, I believe roughly a billion of it or so, um, like 900 million, a billion, something in that range. And then the government seized the remaining balance, which was about three and a half, $3.6 billion. For those that don't realize um, too, if so... Even if you're smart yeah. enough to pull this off, you know, it's not like you can go to your Coinbase wallet or any, any of these wallets and be like, I'm going to do a sell order for four and a half billion. Let me put that in a stable yeah. coin. Yeah. Move it to my what bank. are these guys going to do with all that money? Yeah. yeah. So this, this is what there's, there's a number of these, these scams, these hacks. I got a, mm-hmm. actually got a text earlier today. I want to read this, which was hilarious. I got a WhatsApp message, which I don't even use WhatsApp that says to share Digital currency internal information for you. Master the wealth password. Reply with number one and click to join. And then there's a random website 
I'm going to go ahead and pass on that I'm going to pass, but this one was sent to 100, you know, 1,000 people. Someone clicked yeah. that and was like, yeah, let's see what this is about. Inside information on crypto? Let's do sure. it. Sure. Sure. Now I'm going to finally get in. Now I'm getting in. Yes. Yes. So don't be stupid, everyone. If you're going to you're gonna play in this crypto pond, make sure you secure your stuff. Keep your wallet locked down. And, uh, yeah, and if you don't, and if you're not familiar, and this is why I say it, you don't have to feel. I mean, if you're a purist and you're you're comfortable with the technology, then I say go ahead and do it. But if there is any doubt, if you're not comfortable, um, you know, one obviously seek out professional advice. But two, I mean, there's so advice. many different ways now that you can. So many different ways you can get craft advice. But uh, <laughs> there's a lot of ways that you can get basically the same exposure through securities. Um, that are just, that it's just safer for you if you're not familiar with that world in terms of, uh, you know, again, exchanges, wallets, just the various different ways that hackers are trying to come at you. Um, so it, it's not something that I would encourage people who are not overly technology savvy or that have the desire to really dig into the technology piece of it, because especially if you're going to commit any kind of serious capital to it, if you don't have if you're not taking the right steps to secure your your uh, your capital, it's very easy not only to fall prey to something that looks very legitimate, um, but to just get hacked because you clicked on the wrong link or you went to the wrong website, and the next thing you know, you're getting. I mean, there, there's all kinds of um, you know uh, scams right now where they're just siphoning off fractions of of crypto that you don't even notice, and it just continues to get siphoned off out of your wallet because it's not secure. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's 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 there's a lot of different ways to get exposure to it. I encourage you to to look at the securities route, um, whether it's through miners or the infrastructure, um, or even just directly through one of the uh, the futures based ETFs, GBTC, etc. Um, but yeah, those are uh, that is still just such a funny funny story there about these two people that are yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I I love it. Yeah. We got we we got to get her. It's worth um, a Google. Go go listen to the rap. We got to get her rap, rap song. Players. We got to get her rap song as our like opening. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, um, I guess let's uh, want to jump <laughs> into a quick. Close that on the oh, way out, oh, or maybe oh, we'll start doing crypto. We'll do crypto episodes and we'll end them with that. With her, with her singing in the background or rapping in the background. Um, you want to do a quick buy sell hold? Yeah, we can do that. You want to start it? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, buy, sell, hold the uh, the current state of the housing market. I mean, I knew I was. We were talking earlier. January's numbers popped. I mean, it looks like the even with prices going up, even with supply limited. I mean, it's just people are fleeing the cities in droves, and they just want out. I think the big. I would still buy this. I think this is all an inventory thing. There's still not yeah. enough houses where people can't get what they want when they want. So they're still bidding wars. I know my mm-hmm. brother went and looked at a house and said, just near the office here. And the, the process they're taking to sell the house, is they're just doing an open house one day and everyone has to have their offers in by Sunday and they're just picking the highest one. And I'm sure they'll have a dozen, dozen and a half yep. offers. So I'm going to buy it. I think housing's still strong. Inventory still low. You know, once I don't know if it's just, you know, you need to see the home builders, buy over and over again yeah. um so i'd buy it i'm gonna send yeah. a follow-up one to you if Shoot. you look at the etf is 
banks, HB, the home builders. Mm. All this stuff is going on with housing right now, and home builders are just not going anywhere. I mean, I don't think people love these companies because it's expensive for what they're doing, but housing market's hot, home builders are not. So you're going to buy, sell, or hold the home builders. Yeah, I think I would sell the home builders right now. I mean, it's just, I think the costs, I mean, they're building homes and people are buying them, but the margins of these guys are, they're getting tighter and tighter because their costs are going up. I mean, obviously the price is going up, but I don't think, I don't think their, their prices are going up in line. Um, and I would definitely get, get out of that or I would sell that. I would, I would probably look more towards the, uh, maybe the commodity side of things. I mean, you look at, uh, lumber has gone through the roof. I mean, we had obviously the massive spike last year and then it fell off a cliff and kind of stabilized. But, um, I mean, it's right back up. I want to say from its recent lows, it's up 40, 50%. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost back where it was. Yep. Yep. Cool. We got, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say the, uh, the housing market is, uh, going to continue to be strong. Like you said, it's just whether you're looking at existing supply versus new homes, I think new homes are going to struggle. Um, and, but existing stuff is just going to continue to fly off the shelves. Whatever gets made available is what's going to get bought. Uh, so uh, I know we touched on Roku earlier. Uh, just this whole, do you buy, sell, or hold, I guess, this entire space of innovative technology companies struggling for I mean, is this a quasi-repeat of the dot-com bubble, right, where we saw tech stocks tank after uh, the, the massive overinflated prices, the late 90s, early 2000s tank, and it took years and years for them to come back? Um, is that something you see as repeating, or do you think this is a little bit more short-term lived? I like the Mark Twain quote, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. So the we go. stock charts is maybe exactly the same. The difference is, let's take Shopify, for example. Mm -hmm. This company is, you know, revenue is growing still north of 40% a year on a base of almost $3 billion a year. So these companies have insane amount of cash they're bringing in versus mm -hmm. the dot-com bubble. You had someone just made a website, company made no dollars, and it was yep. sold for billions of dollars. I can't remember if, if it was... I can't remember the name of Mark Cuban's company, but I think they only had like 20 million in revenue and they sold for a couple billion in the dot-com bubble. Yep. Now you're starting to see, you know, companies that have real, real revenue. I mean, even take PayPal. It's a company that brings in more than, I'm going to pull up the actual number, but well into the $20 billion revenue figures on an annual basis, 25 billion in annual revenue. And these companies are just getting destroyed in pricing. So I think this is, if you're holding these and you're like, oh my God, I'm losing my mind, my account's down, you got to have a five, maybe 10 year time horizon. I think a lot yeah. of this stuff will come right back. Yep. We're just in the middle of getting kicked right in the throat, which hurts. Nobody likes getting kicked in the throat. No. I don't think I'm flexible enough to kick someone in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> not, not with that sprained neck of yours. You know, yeah. I was John Claude Van Damme, you know? JCVD. Oh, yeah. All right. What you so got? I know we've been talking about oil prices skyrocketing. There's a lot of news the last 24 hours that there may be a nuclear deal with Iran, which would open up Ooh, a yeah. million barrels a day in production. Mm -hmm. So you're going to buy, sell, or hold that going through. And what do you think that might do to oil prices? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a, a strong chance of that going through for multitude of reasons. One, um, you know, obviously we're getting severely pinched here domestically with gas and inflation overall, uh, but the price of oil is really starting to hurt the average consumer. And um, so it's definitely in the administration's best interest to try to work something out. And then plus, I would I would say that they are, they're an administration that has been friendly historically to the Iranian regime. And they are uh, one that I believe wants to get that deal back in place and work something out. So I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily for it, but I think it's going to happen. And I think bringing a million barrels, obviously, of production onto the uh, to the market is definitely going to help alleviate uh, a, de- a decent little bit of this uh, price crunch. And um, you know what else would if we uh, opened up those uh, those pipelines that we shut down earlier uh, in the. Uh, last year. So who knows? But yeah, I think the Iranian deal goes through. Cool. All right. Last one. What do you got? Last one. Um, do you think we continue to see more of these? Uh, so S-A-R-K. So for anybody who doesn't know what that is, that's a Short. ETF out there that basically is shorting um, ARK. So ARK Investments, A-R-K-K. So this is a fund that is designed specifically to short a lot of these high-flying tech stocks that were innovation drivers uh during the pandemic you think we start seeing more of these types of uh vehicles pop up do you think somebody's going to continue to jump on the on the bandwagon especially if uh if inflation continues to pick up rates and, and the fed get a little bit more aggressive and uh we possibly see more downside in the on the tech side of things so this is one where we've even been approached about stuff like this at work the concept of an ETF or launching a fund is basically anyone that has an investment idea, you can work with providers to package that into a fund and then sell it on the stock exchange. This used to take, if you went back, kind of you went back five, six years, it would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to get licensed, get registered, have everything organized to launch your fund. Once a company has their fund approval where they can go ahead and launch a fund, it's a very minimal incremental cost. So now there's companies out there that they go launch a couple funds themselves and then they just offer to other investors, hey, you have an idea, we'll package it and sell it for <clears throat> maybe ten or twenty thousand dollars versus two hundred and fifty. So I think the floodgates are gonna open with this. I think especially yeah. now that you've seen a lot of these SPACs, these little companies pop up, go public, and then basically crash and burn. Yep. I think you're going to probably see a little bit more constraint from the regulators on those going forward. Yep. But the nice part of these options is these ETFs are kind of almost thematic in a sense. You can mm-hmm. diversify for the most part. I'm going to guess you're going to see a lot more of these. I don't know if they'll all be shorts against a specific strategy, but you're going to you're going to see plenty more strategies launched in an ETF wrapper. Yeah. Diversified, thematic, um, more tailored type of to packages there. Yeah, no, I, I think the, I think you're right. Yep. Well, cool. Cool. Very good. Well, that wraps us up, everybody. Again, thanks for tuning in this week to The Sober Show. Maybe a couple more of these <laughs> as Jack works the dad bot off. But <laughs> <laughs> yes. any final thoughts, Sean? No, I think that's it. We, uh, we touched on a lot of different things. Obviously, uh, again, Russia, inflation. Uh, again, kind of what's going on in the tech space. Again, what we were saying is that uh, it looks like right now, 
currently the uh, you know the, the beatdown in, in tech is looking similar to uh, the dot com bubble. Not exactly as bad just yet, but these companies seem to be a lot healthier, a lot more revenue producing, and uh, it's just a completely different universe than what we were twenty years ago. So it's unlikely to be as bad, but um, yeah, just stay diversified. If you need advice, reach out. If you need craft advice, tune in. Uh, but thanks, everybody, for listening. All righty. On that, everybody, I'm going to cheers my coffee, Sean. Get that protein shake you got there. Woohoo! Cheers. There we go. Sober show. Protein. Adios, Sober everybody. Show. Adios. Jack and Sean work for Senge Advisory Group, a registered investment advisory firm. All discussions between Jack and Sean or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Senge Advisory Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Senge Advisory Group may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.